Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It Tomorrow. This week's going to look a little different. Uh, we're not quite ready to record the next episode that we want to put out. So we thought we'd do a little best of compilation type thing. So what you're about to watch um, or listen to is just a bunch of clips from all the episodes that we've recorded so far. Uh, I really enjoyed editing it. I think you guys will enjoy listening to it or watching it as well. If you are listening to it, I would recommend watching it on YouTube because it might get a little confusing if you're just listening on audio. So search Let's Talk About It Tomorrow on YouTube. You'll find it. Uh, you found us already. So uh, let's, let's get right into it. you to know this is going to be a weekly podcast and we're going to be talking about things that maybe some people may not think it's very comfortable may not even be comfortable for us but we want to share the truth and love that's all about it so i think we just kick off the, this segment talking about some of the things in the church overall and not your church not our church just uh, overall and, and basically in this country and what's going on today with all of the uh, may i say silliness that's out there and um, I'd like to ask you the question, uh, what do you think is the most critical thing that uh, the Church of Jesus Christ in America should be handling today? Uh, <clears throat> handling, I, I might use the word facing okay. more than anything else. And, and it is this, this is one of the things that is just burdening my heart, um, is the fact that there's a famine of the Word of God in the church. Amen. And again, the church is not a building. The church, you know, to me, uh, a, the building is a tool. The church is the people. We are the church. Yes, yes. And there is a famine going on in the church with the Word of God. I mean, people even that are sitting in in the chairs, there's a famine of the Word because that's the only Word they're getting. Yeah. And for me, uh, and I run into people all the time, and I'm, and I'm talking, you're talking about the church in America. Yes. I think a lot of what we've gone through, a lot of the things we have faced, uh, the, a lot of things that have happened to churches is because there's there's a famine of the word in people's lives and they, they couldn't stand yeah. when yeah. all this broke loose. Yeah, that's evident. You know, with, the Bible says we stand by faith. And faith in what? Faith in who? Mm -hmm. uh, what What is faith? Uh, all of those sorts of questions need to be answered, not just in our head knowledge, but a real total understanding yeah. uh, of what that really means. And are we moved by what we see? Are we moved by what God says and what he has given us clearly written uh, in his word? It gets back to don't do life alone. If you want to establish this and dive in, you need to connect with somebody who has that and let them disciple and mentor you along through that. Like I do with people right now, I have people that I... I contact them in the morning, text them, hey, are you up? Are you doing it? Yeah. Let's walk through this together. Uh, I am, I'm strong on sometimes you can't do this by yourself. You've got to have help. And I'll either find you the, per, the help or I'll be the help. Come on. That, I love that. I and love that. You, got, you need somebody to help you establish this hunger. Yep. I mean, we talk about, well, you just need to have a hunger. Some people, you have to lead them into how good this tastes. Yeah. What I learned from you that I preach today, and, and it's, it's a thread throughout the year, every year uh, that I'm speaking, even one-on-one -on -one with people, is what I learned from you, and that is that my personal story mm -hmm. of Jesus 
is the most effective witnessing tool I have. We've made witnessing so difficult to know all these things. I just need to share what Jesus did yesterday. Amen. Praise God. And that begins to impact hearts. I'm talking about coming to the point where you realize that He has a plan for your life. It's a great plan and that you can walk it out or you can miss it. You know, He's not going to make you walk on the road that He's planned for you. But we, once you understand that that's the best thing that can happen to you, then you're going to want to walk on that road, you know? Uh, once I understood that, hey, God's plan for me is better than my plan for me would ever be because He loves me and He's not selfish and He knows everything. So those three things go together. Hey, I give up. God, what do I do? And he goes, well, I've got a book for you to read. And that's where the fun starts. So there's a process here. The, the Bible tells us very clearly in Galatians 6, you that are spiritual go in a manner of meekness to win back somebody, to reconcile them. Unless you don't care about something coming back on you, because that's what this talks about right here in Matthew 7 also, that when we start criticizing people just without, uh, with, without solid evidence or without an uh, opportunity for them to repent, okay, there again, that's the one-on-one -on -one meeting, so they can repent, then what are we doing? We're criticizing their heart, and that's for God to touch, not me, not you, not them. And secondly, is that if you really care about somebody, if you really have compassion for somebody, if you really love someone, then you'll always be truthful with them. Now, how we give the truth needs to be seasoned in love. So it's acceptable to the other person. And I know that if I talk to somebody in the truth, I probably ought to have some kind of relationship with them first. If I just slam somebody, well, the Bible says blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm probably going to back them off out the door. I've actually talked to people before that have... Um, been treated that way, and as a result, they just turn around and walk out. What is the one thing that mankind has struggled, if you believe the Bible, since the days of Adam and Eve? One thing that I believe captures the essence of our issues with God, which in the result, as a result of, captures the essence of our problems with each other. I don't like you, you don't like me. The reason we don't is because we're not connected to God, both of us. And thinking, thinking like he thinks. Race is important, and race is God created and God made. And I am a very favorable person in the various colors, if you would, that people's skin is, because it's the heart of them that matters. And it's just, it's, everything gets back down to where is our heart in all of this? And then you say something about the Bible, and they say something like, well, my truth is that we're not really sure about the Bible, and it could have been changed uh, by people through the years. Or, you know, that was good. That was a good book 2,000 years ago, but today uh, it's not really applicable to me. Uh, how do you answer something like that? I'm glad you asked that because that's, that's common. Um, the culture today is anti-Bible for the most part. The culture today is very resistant to traditions like that. And one of the reasons is because of religion instead of relationship with Christ. 
people, man has got has developed an effort to get to God, but God actually developed an effort to get to man. His, his name is Jesus. So I I look at that question, and that's a great question, and I don't mind that question from people. But how do you know the Bible's true? How do you know the Bible's accurate? Well, let's look at this. Jesus, most people, including other religions, believe that there was a Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then there's historical fact. Eyewitness accounts. He's in all kinds of history books, not just the Bible. Number two, Israel. The Bible talks about Israel yes. and the repatriation of Israel or the regathering that God said he would do. He would regather his people to Israel. That took place. All the prophecies about the last days yes. are in the Bible, and they're all coming to pass. They're all coming to truth. Those are just three examples, but the Bible itself is revealing that these things would take place and that there would be a Bible and that there would be a Word of God and it would last forever. He said, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12. He said, heaven and earth will pass away. In other words, everything that we see, everything that we're accustomed to is temporary, but my words will never pass away. Buddha won't help you. Harry Krishna won't help you. The three million gods in Hinduism won't help you. New age won't help you. You're not going to become a god or something else. No, that's, that's a deceitfulness out that, uh, that Satan actually used in the Garden of Eden. Still with us today. The world's kids, they know who's a contender, who's the real deal, and who the pretenders are. In other words, you find out before you know Christ, before you know anything, before you graduate from high school, before you graduate elementary school, you know who you can handle and who you can't handle. You can handle the pretenders, but you can't handle the contenders. God wants to change our nature. He wants to give us the born again experience. He wants us to renew our mind. Why? Because God's for us. God's not mad at you. God is trying to woo you. He's trying to reach out and put his arms and draw you to himself. That's what God is all about. He loves you and cares for you. He loves you with a love that's perfect. If he didn't do that, he couldn't have done what he did with sending Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, here in the place that we deserved, that died the horrendous death that he died, and then was raised again to prove everything he said was true. If I condemn you, I'm condemning myself because I am just a, a, another person created in the image of God who's done wrong things. And I, it's not my behavior that has won my favor with God. It's Jesus Christ on the cross that's won the favor of God for me. And He's freely given it to me. All I have to do is hold my hands out and say, I accept you. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I want to do it your way instead of mine. I've done it the wrong way. So I want to turn away from all of that stuff. And I want to accept you as my Lord, my Savior, my boss. And this walk this thing together. Help me, strengthen me, show me, give me understanding. Put me in a good local church that'll help me grow, one that doesn't have condemning things to say, but ones that have truthful things to say. And when I need something that in my walk that's not right and it's obvious about it, they'll look at me and help me with that. They'll tell me that I'm wrong when I'm wrong, but they'll do it in love and respect, not in condemnation and a put-down thing. The fact of it is, is anytime you get really mad at somebody, I'm not talking about angry, 
I'm not talking about righteous indignation. When you get mad at somebody, there's something wrong with you. You see, if you get mad at somebody where you're really angry, you're letting the other person control you. You have lost your self-control, and that is the truth. I try to respect where people are, but I really think there is a difference between being on the screen and on the scene. Um, when you're in the anointing, you're in the fellowship, there is a difference. Uh, one, you are a spectator and one of your participator. So I think that there is a difference. Um, I've watched a lot of things online. I'm not saying I don't get things from being online, but when you are in the service, you actually affect the anointing because anytime you put a person in there, they affect what, what goes on in the arena. So I think that there are some things that cannot be translated. There's some yeah. things that, that you just can't get from that. Um, I'm concerned for, for that long term, um, but at the same time, I know that because of the new era of church, that may be what we have to accept until God starts dealing with people that they need some type of fellowship and some type of um, touching of flesh, if that makes sense. Um, I think we're missing, you know, I think they're going to miss that because we weren't made to be isolated like that. I think God created us for interdependence um, relationships with each other, with him and with others to keep us balanced. And I think that we, we may see some balance lost in that, quite honestly. Wow. <laughs> Folks, you just heard a home run right there. That was good. And it's so accurate of a description of what we need to realize as people. You know, Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially as the time approaches, especially as the time approaches. And there's never been a time when we're closer to the end than we are now. And that's not a scare tactic. That is an opportunity for us to realize this has never gotten this far before, and it's an exciting time to be alive, an exciting time for us to come together. And I'm enthused about what mm -hmm. God has yeah. for the church. You know, God's not a killjoy. Yes. He's not out yeah. to, He's not a God of just harsh rules. But all of His commandments are, you know, I've been up in the Rockies. I, I've been up in vehicles with one lane roads and no guardrail, and it's a thousand feet to the bottom. And you would have appreciated a guardrail right then. And so when God says, you know, don't have sex outside of marriage, it's not a killjoy. Yeah. He's saying yeah. this is the guardrail that if you'll just keep sexuality within this framework, you'll be fulfilled, you'll be free, you'll be joyful, and you will be protected from all of the destructive forces that yeah. the enemy wants you to buy into in life. And I see that right there in what you just said, you really kind of touched on what is the other side of the coin of this. And that is that, yes, when, when there are failings in the body of Christ, in leadership in the body of Christ, we should seek, our aim should be restoration, healing, the spirit of meekness. But notice at the same time, Jesus was bold and unafraid to bring re rebuke and correction when it was needed. Yes, to those that needed it. To he, those that needed it. And he knew. Yeah. God knows. He knows. Yes. Yeah. 
And so, you know, we're not saying that that the God kind of love, this humility, this restoration uh, is winking, winking at immorality and low standards in leadership in the church. I, I'm not saying that. Mm. I hate some of the things I see in the body of Christ. It, it makes me cry and grieve. Yep. God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of disorder. And it's so sad that we are here in 2022 in a progressive age yeah. having to talk about this. Yes, yes. How depraved and darkened men's minds have become in this day. Depraved is a great word to be able to use to give a description of that. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Male and female, he made them. And a son should leave the family and cleave to his wife, leave and cleave, as a female shall leave and cleave from her family to join him in marriage, one marriage throughout their lifetime till death do them part, under the auspices of the covenant that God has given us and the authority he's given us to come together to be one flesh. Yes. And that is the only thing that will establish and that will continue to, if I can use the word, operate uh -huh. the societies that we're in. A society must be uh, the, the progenity of the uh, society is going to be done through the sexual union of one man, one woman, and to keep the home with the nuclear family working, it should be one man, one woman, not all the all the other things that could and be Satan coming out hates of it. it. Yeah. He hates it yeah. from the beginning yeah. because it is God's mandate on humanity from its origin. Yes. To live, he, he put Adam and Eve, he, they, didn't, they weren't born as babies. They were created as adults and he put them in a married state. Yes. And he said it was good. Mm -hmm. And then he said, be blessed. Yes. You're not cursed. Yes. You're blessed. And then he said, what? Be fruitful yeah. and multiply. Multiply. Yeah. In the beginning in Genesis, you went there, it says that he'll make him a helper. That word helper is easier and it's a strong help. It was never something that was supposed to be subservient. And, and you get you miss that in our English translation because we think of helper as in somebody to, you know, what I mean, like like a servant. But it's a name that's used for God over and over where he is a strong help in the time of need. And women were supposed to be a strong help. Now we're supposed to be comparable, not competing. And I think yeah. we're complimenting. And so I think God always meant us to have a complimentary um, ministry or whatever in life, but a lot of that has been lost. So I'll just touch on that real quick. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Let me interrupt here because this is important. The Hebrew word that when God made, uh, uh, when Isha was yes. made out of Ish, okay, when uh, Eve was made from the rib uh -huh. of Adam, the word rib in the Hebrew is the same word that is the word beam when they were making the temple. Mm -hmm. So support. when Adam lost his rib, he lost his support and because it wasn't working right. Mm -hmm. So the support became a, a real human being rather than just a piece of him. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the beam in the temple, it gonna fall down right. if you could ever get it placed up in the first right. place. Right. So that's something that is scriptural in some things that I share with, especially with the men a lot of times, yeah. uh, they need a little help in redirecting what the, some of their thoughts are. Mm -hmm.